Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And we are here for a, well, a fun adventure to the Star Wars galaxy and the adventures of recording remotely and responsibly. Joseph, uh, we don't want to bore people with our, our tech issues today, gardeners arriving, everything could go wrong, but uh, we're grateful to be here talking with each other and recording. That is right. Uh, I am very glad that CO Bibble is not a member of our little podcast family because we've had many communication disruptions and he would just be screaming invasion this entire time, this entire afternoon. 
Yes, he would. I, I'm trying to mute my mic, but you can hear I'm broadcasting from Camino. <laughs> they say there's a bounty hunter named Django Fett. Master Cypher Dees. It's getting <laughs> uh, getting through here to the old folks home. I can hear it. <laughs> Is it uh, sliding through, folks? If you're listening, you know we appreciate your support. Uh, we we are all uh, trying to get through these uh, wild, crazy, scary, confusing times, and uh, you know. But seriously, jokes aside, Joseph, the fact that we're able even to do this, I can see you right now. We're, I can see your face. You can see my face. Yeah. We can talk, and a little leaf blower or uh, uh, being locked away is not going to keep us from having fun celebrating Star Wars. No, no, and I'm I'm super excited about this episode. This is going to be a very fun episode, and we need fun so much right now. Fun is a good thing, uh, and I, I in, uh, in yesterday's Clone Wars report, I apparently got stuck on that word fun. Occasionally, I get stuck on words like like hubris, tasty, fun, definitely one of them, and, uh, <laughs> but Star Wars should be fun, and this one, Joseph, today is going to be a, uh, we're calling the Q&A Strikes Back. Uh, you, you come up with some, deli- you, you should start writing uh, titles for the Clone Wars, because you've got some great ones coming through. Uh, Q&A Strikes Back, indeed, and, and uh, before we get to that, though, I, I do want to remind everyone today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone in android kindle or mp3 player a little bit later as always our four center recommends an audio uh, audio book we think you should try out on us uh before we do that as always we can catch up on life adventures like we said up top, we, we understand, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of serious things going on. Uh, this uh, situation is, is starting to touch more and more people, even uh, people I know, people you know, Joseph. So we're happy to just celebrate the simple things in life like Star Wars adventures and life adventures. And how has uh, your adventures been? Good, good. Uh, for Star Wars Adventures, I managed to play a little bit of uh, Battlefront 2, and I, I did manage to uh, defeat Darth Vader uh, with an Ewok arrow from, from far away. Yes. It, uh, the Darth Vader seemed very, very upset about that as he slowly kneeled down. Kneel to me, Vader. <laughs> I'm an Ewok with a bow. Kneel to me. That was very, uh, that was very nice. Uh, my other Star Wars adventure was just uh, a fun. Hey, look, I'm doing fun's the word of the day. Um, I've, I've been working on some writing and trying to stay focused because uh, I had a writing project that I wanted to work on anyway around uh, this time. And kind of as our uh, big world of self isolation began, I was having a hard time focusing. So I started a Twitter thread where I'm reporting how far uh, how far along I am. And one of the things that's been helping me to keep writing is listening to the solo soundtrack. Ooh, like that. What yeah. made you choose that? Or did it just pop up randomly and the force took you there? I get distracted by a lot of the music that I like because it has lyrics or a ton of my music is this is the exact album that I listened to obsessively in 2007. And it's like this weird walk down memory lane. Uh, in the solo one, it's just, it's just energetic. It's, it's really, it's got like a great forward moving, mm. uh, look, there are some conflicts, but you're going to make it. Totally. Oh man, that's I, I I yeah, that's that's gotta be great writing music and life music. Yeah, good driving music, good writing music, good eating a burrito music. You can do anything to the solo soundtrack. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You're getting your writing done, you're yub nubbing your way through the galaxy. <laughs> that's right. That's good. It's all arrows and writing over here. Uh how about you? What are your Star Wars or life adventures? You know what, uh, you know, as we all uh, uh, 
find ourselves in lockdown. It's about finding the little things, the little uh, norms, uh, the new norms. And, and, and I've been doing that. I did some fun Battlefront and escaping in Star Wars and, and all those kind of things. I'll tell you what, though, I, and I, I started doing it on Twitch, uh, on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash catnapsock there. I have a lot of Lego sets that I haven't <laughs> built. Most of them Star Wars. Not all Star Wars, but most of them Star Wars. So I started doing the... Eh, let's do these Twitch Lego builds. Now, the people listening can't see this, uh, but we're connected by camera right now. Um, I built Obi-Wan's Hut, which was a set Ooh, uh, nice. uh, gifted to me by First Rate Nate, a good fan of uh, the show and a lot of, uh, of my silly little stupid things that I do. And I built this. And, Joseph, I got to tell you this. You uh, you need this set. It opens up. I'm showing oh, Joseph. Oh, it opens. Yes. Oh. And I oh, got wow! I that got, is amazing. I got little Obi Wan there uh, with a with a drink. He's got a drink in his hand. Luke's got binoculars, <laughs> yes. but there's the chest back here. You open that up, and it's got the the lightsaber, a training um, a, a ball, and then uh, of course it comes with the R two, and then the Tuscan Raider figure. And it's so you look on the box. It's like I, was, I said on the stream yesterday. It's like going to a a TV set and you watch something on TV for a long time and then you go to a set and you're like, wow, it's wheel of fortunes, just like a table. Um, <laughs> this, this on the box, I thought it was a bigger set. It's so tiny and compact. It can fit on any shelf and oh it's, no. Yeah. And it's priced to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I had a lot of fun doing that. Rediscovered my love of love of Legos, but uh, I just love this hut. It's it's Obi Wan's crash pad, and then the the international uh, you know uh, translations, the different translations. Uh, one of them is it's it's Obi Wan's hut, but on the box says the other ones, and one of the other choices is El Cabana de Obi Wan, and I thought that's what I'm going to call this. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Yeah, it sounds like Obi Wan's going to have a pool party. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's the Star Wars life adventure that I had this week. Um. On that note, that is a very yeah. beautiful one. Um, mm. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say since you you were kindly showing and telling me, I thought we should uh, plug the the video that we did. You sir are a professional. Yes, uh, good transition <laughs> to Star Wars Show and Tell, which is a new show on our Force Center YouTube channel. Uh, this situation is it's 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 a uh, necessity is is the mother of invention, and thanks to some of the technologies available now like StreamYard, Zencaster. Though, be careful when those things go down suddenly and you can't do your work. Um, Joseph and I uh, came up with this <laughs> idea uh, that uh, uh, right now just he and I, but uh, Jennifer and a uh, special guest will be popping in from time to time of, of sharing some of the things we love of our Star Wars collections. Uh, and uh, Joseph, uh, I don't want to spoil it. If anyone hasn't watched it, uh, get over there and check it out on, on our Force on YouTube channel. But it was nice to see you know, different, yours had this great emotional connection to it. Mine had Darth Vader doing something we don't think Darth Vader would do. So, uh, <laughs> that's a good dichotomy. It made me emotional. <laughs> it, 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 it invoked some emotions. Um, and we're going to be, we're going to keep doing that. Uh, yeah, you don't necessarily want to commit to weekly by weekly. We're working that out no. because our schedules are up in the air right now, but it was a lot of fun. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. It was, uh, it was a great idea of yours, Ken, and it was a super uh, fun to uh, execute. So go check that out on the YouTube channel. And uh, more things on the way to that YouTube channel, including uh, Season 2 of In Memoriam on the way. We're releasing uh, some very uh, brand spanking new ones that never appeared on Spotlight Star Wars that are all brand new, exclusive to YouTube, uh, with our friend Kevin Smith uh, working on some of the editing there. So 
Uh, with some wonderful housekeeping out of the way, it's time to dive into the news uh, for this week. And we're going to start with a, a little rumor chasing. Uh, but I think it's one of those kind of good rumors, uh, even though it's unconfirmed casting news. And that is Michael Bean to join The Mandalorian Season 2, or really, depending on how they shoot things, I'd say he already was in The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, this is a story coming to us from Making Star Wars. Uh, yep, they have uh, uh, some great rumor reporting that turns out to be true. They have a good track record in that regard. They also take some big swings, but this one seems uh, like a good safe bet. No info on the role, but interesting uh, point was made in the article that, uh, you know, we've talked about before, but I like there was a highlight on it that this show has done a great job of casting 80s and 90s generation stars. Uh, Nick Nolte, <laughs> Carl Weathers, and now Michael Bean. Start there, Joseph. Uh, uh, just Mike, Michael Bean uh, himself, uh, what he brings, and these in this string of uh, casting of stars from another generation. Yeah, I mean, he he fits perfectly with uh, the Mandalorian being grizzled weirdo watch uh not that Michael Bean is is that much of a, a weirdo. Like, look, he, he's not Nick Nolte, but uh, <laughs> when I think, you know, grizzled, brooding man of the 80s who has a problem he needs to take care of, it's Michael Bean is right up there. He uh, is an interesting cat, man. Uh, I, I've never met him, don't know him, but I have uh, communicated with his wife, Jennifer Blank Bean, I believe it is. And they got into, in uh, early part of uh, last decade, they got into like independent movies shot for like 500 bucks over the weekend <laughs> and just started rolling them out. And so somehow through that, a couple of friends of mine were working on them. And he is he is an interesting cat and fits perfectly into Star Wars and perfectly in what the Mandalorian has already put out there without giving uh, too many plot details for people still catching up to that show. Um, one thing to note here uh, from it uh, from the article there, I think we'd heard this before. This sounded familiar to me, but uh, the production's code name for Mandalorian season two was Huckleberry, uh, which some people assume is a, as a nod to the 1993 <laughs> film Tombstone and Val Kilmer as uh, Doc Holliday. Well, of course, Michael Bean played Johnny Ringo in that film. Uh, so, does this uh, Joseph just confirm that this is a western in space? Yes, I think it confirms that it's a Western in space and the exact age of John uh, Favreau and Dave Filoni <laughs> that they have this specific taste in actors and movies. Yeah, definitely there. The article also kind of uh, quietly uh, said that uh, Bill Burr would be possibly back or his character, his uh, Boston space uh, smuggler back in Star Wars there. So that could lead you to, to think, of, think of some certain plot things there. Um, do you have any... Uh, any other uh, performers that you'd still like to see show up in Mandalorian that would fit, whether from this 80s, 90s action era or just uh, this continuing the, the line of the old grizzled weirdos? Yeah, yeah. I, I got I went down a Terminator rabbit hole and I was like, oh, well, you know, if you're going to have Michael Bean, let's get Linda Hamilton in there. You know, she's uh, was in the most recent Terminator movie. She is looking uh, ready to fight and be mm -hmm. an action star. And then when I was like Linda Hamilton. Right. And I just Googled to just make sure I wasn't having a brain fire like that. That's that's the actor's name of Sarah Connor. Right. And then I remembered all of the uh, other women who have played Sarah Connor. Yeah. It, of course, includes Amelia Clark. And then uh, Lena Headey yeah. in the uh, in the TV show, the Sarah right. Connor Chronicles. So right. uh, I'm pitching that all three of them need to be in Mandalorian season three. Oh, beautiful! So you suggesting uh, an older, wiser Kira shows back up and some hench women oh. at her side? 
Yeah, that's right. I think Ooh. Kira's back with two other Sarah Connors. Ooh, I'm all for this. Lena Headey in Star Wars. Linda Hamilton. Star- These are good calls. I, I, I would. Everyone always gravitates to you know. I'd love Charles Dance and Star. You know Liam Cunningham, but L- Lena Headey in Star Wars. Yeah, like a Sith Lord or something or a pirate queen. I'm all for that. Oh yeah, choice. pirate queen all the way. Uh, only other '80s thing. It's a little bit different uh, than the kind of grizzled man. Although that is what he's become. But I love Kiefer Sutherland. I would love Kiefer Sutherland in Ooh. Star Wars. I'd love a little Jack Bauer in space. I I like that idea. Um, I like that idea a lot. I was gonna. I was going towards one of my. You know, speaking of westerns, going to my. Two favorite movies, even above Star Wars of all time, Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Um, half kidding, I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I could go for uh, some Emilio Estevez in Star Wars. Um, Kiefer, Doc uh, Skurlock, uh, Josiah Doc Skurlock would be good, too. Those are some good choices. Lou Diamond Phillips. Who else you got? Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, yeah. Give me Lou Diamond Phillips, man. Uh, I, and I'd like him to be... If he's a Mandalorian, you know, again, not going too specific, but I'd like him to be one of those complicated. He's done some bad things, but much like, uh, you know, some of our heroes in Star Wars has to rise above that. And maybe there's some reasons for it. And maybe as a, a turn of heart, you know, I, I I'm, oh, man, that I'm, sounds perfect. That sounds beautiful. Always going to root for Lou Diamond Phillips. So <laughs> yeah, um, I think that I think you got it. The entire cast of young guns in the Mandalorian. Casey Zemesco, Termit Mulrooney. We got them all. We got them all. <laughs> Uh, ancient gang, Dave, uh, next, uh, headline. This one's, this one's, uh, I put this in here. I'm getting, I, I say it was slower news week, but we always end up talking about a lot of things, but this one, this one got me excited, but it's always also, I don't know, burst into the seams with uh, ideas, but also, man, someone else is going to take this. And what I, what am I going to do? Um, you've heard me talk about it before, but we, it's time to get pod racing again. StarWars.com was uh, the one that really kind of led this report here, uh, that the classic 90s game, Padra, the the Episode 1 Racer, uh, is coming to PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. Um, I don't have, i got to be honest with you, i got to check up here. I didn't get a release date on it because that would be an important bit of information for all of us right now. Uh, This (laughs) is a re-release. It's a classic game, but it's a twist. A twist. Modern controls. Modern controls. And it'll look, uh, I'm sure, a lot better. 25 player playable races. Eight worlds. Pitroids. And this one I really love, Joseph. Split screen for multiplayer action. So, yeah. Let's start there. Where's your excitement? Because I know... I know you're like me, man. This is probably why we're uh, connected forever in Star Wars. We just <laughs> love pod racers and the stories around them and the game itself. What's your overall view on this news bite? Yeah, no, that's it's great. It's very, very exciting. I do have a Nintendo Switch, uh, but I can barely keep up with Battlefront 2, but mm. I might fire up the Switch mm. uh, in order to uh, get the old, uh, get the uh, pod racing game going. Uh, you know, I, I want to be uh, Rats Tyrell, you know, and, and have him. Then I don't feel guilty when he dies because it's narratively accurate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Rats is growing in stature. Yeah, this... Um uh, this is uh, exciting news for me. And I have the, on, P- on my PS4, I have the Racer's Revenge. I think I bought for like 10 bucks. They redid that game. It was that weird sequel we always talk about where teenage Anakin's coming back for revenge on Sebulba, <laughs> uh, which is a Star Wars story I do want to see. What 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 do you think now as we stand in 2020? What's the appeal of just pod racing and the pod racing sequence? Because it, maybe it's just me and maybe it's just us. But to me, it seems like this is growing. 
Yeah, but there's more and more people like, ooh, pod racing. Yes, I'm here for it. Yeah, I think, you know, being of the generation that we were, pod racing is one of the many things that people uh, kvetched about uh, Phantom Menace, that it's too long, there's not enough tension. And I think a lot of that has just drifted away. So the the people who enjoy it are louder. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there's an element of nostalgia, you know, particularly with this game. Like, I didn't even have this game because I already had an N64, but I had, like, a couple different sets of friends who bought the N64 that was packaged with this game. And it was the first game of the new era of Star Wars that the prequels were bringing. And I sat and played this game with people who didn't like the movie who were disappointed by the movie, but we're still like, I don't care. It's star Wars. <laughs> and I think that the power of that nostalgia from people who were, you know, uh, that age when it came out, and then you combine that with people who are like, I'm five years old. I love the phantom menace. Jar Jar is the best. And so is pod racing. And this game is amazing. You know, combine the energy of all those people. That's a, it's a powerful, uh, bit of star Wars nostalgia joy. Well said, because it, it comes from all different points, and I, and I love that. And and uh, as this continues to grow, and this is where I, I've talked about it before. We get off asked a lot. Hey, if you were to create a Star Wars video game, now it's gotten to the point where Joseph, I just I just think we start looking for who we who we ha- who we know that can help us create this game and sell this to all the powers that be. <laughs> I really want, I really want a realistic, straightforward yet fun and and silly uh, pod racing. Uh, game where I can, much like my franchise mode on MLB The Show, I can hire a racer, uh, upgrade my pod, win, win, uh, work your way up to Sebulba, whatever you got to do, uh, keep it relatively in canon as best you can. I don't, I'm not super lost on that, uh, stuck on that, but just, I want to be a pod race, uh, a pod race owner. I want that feeling. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I think maybe that's a part of the power of it is because we, we get to see the, the cool race of the actual pod race. But because we're all caught up in the mechanics of the behind the scenes of it, it feels like a real sport in Star Wars world. Uh, exactly. And, and, and I still I knew about it. We've talked about it. But in rewatching some of the Clone Wars episodes, to get ready for this new season and just going back to that little episode, and that little moment of just. You know, young adult, adult Anakin kind of sitting in his bedroom with a pod racing poster behind him. I was, I was like, why this this should be talked about a lot more in Star Wars. <laughs> it should be celebrated yeah. to the high heavens. So uh, we'll uh, we'll update you on when it comes out. And then we'll uh, I'm sure I'll have it and I'll be playing it. Uh, online and offline uh, with friends and foes alike. Uh, next story here. Uh, this one, I got to admit, kind of slipped under the radar when I was digging up the news for this week. I, I'm happy to read. Uh, this is uh, MovieWeb. I interviewed Neil Scanlon. Of course, we know all his work with the creatures and everything in this modern Star Wars era. And the headline is, Cassie and Andor series and Disney Plus Star Wars shows a place for, uh, quote, unused characters. Scanlon uh, said a couple things I thought were interesting here. The first one here, Joseph, we'll dive into. He said the process on these shows, uh, so far that uh, working on the Cassian Andor and any, you know, Mandalorian, we know, and any other one, uh, Kenobi and any other shows in development even, uh, things we don't know about. He says the process is no different than working on the movies, saying there's no compromises made. What do you think about that statement? I thought that was really good. I think that's really great from, from Neil Scanlon's uh, perspective on creatures, right? Because for the most part, he is making physical, actual costumes and puppets and things that exist in the physical world, which, you know, obviously the Mandalorian is shooting to be Star Wars immersive, but they're using all of this different technology for it. 
Neil Scanlon's somebody who is making physical objects. So that's really cool to hear that. Yep. We can, we can go in our, our volume and, and create different environments, but Neil's still making weird pig creatures. <laughs> weird pig creatures, a staple <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah. And I love this idea. Just, you know, uh, not that we thought this even after watching Mandalorian, um, season one, budget constraints or not that popped up every now and then. It's still, it, it you know, felt like Star Wars and it, it had the, the effect on, on fans around uh, the globe. Well, those who could see it or see it legally. Um, and you can tell it just a lot of Star Wars love into it. But to know that even behind the scenes, no one's, no one's working on something going, ah, well, it's just Star Wars TV. They're in it. They're in it. No compromises. Right. I love that. Uh, he went on to say, this is kind of the meat of the article here, uh, it says some characters, uh, my characters, I, I generally mean creature-based characters, the weird pig creatures, uh, some characters <laughs> previously designed and not used or used very little in some of the movies will appear in this show, uh, Cassie Nandor, and uh, others is, uh, with question mark is something I put in there, but will appear in this show in a more, quote, integrated way. So... I, again, love this. Um, we see this a lot, concepts, unused concepts, um, concepts that evolve over time, and you go back to the original ones and use them for another character even. But the fact that, uh, Joseph, he's kind of specifically saying, now, characters that are even already out there that you might have seen will be used a little bit more in the forefront. Uh, I think that's exciting for Star Wars fans like us who love a show like Databank Brawl. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it's for anybody who loves the weird creatures and i i think what he's saying if i'm reading between the lines correctly is things like canto bite where you know we saw on the behind the scenes it got to see a lot of those weirdos up close in the way the actual film ended up being edited together that you maybe see them just a bit or not at all right. so i'm hoping for things like uh neeper's pan pick uh the <laughs> The detective guy with the big eyes and the constantly open mouth. Uh, Kedpin Shocklop, who got uh, entirely cut from the film. Mm. But there's that whole story about him in the uh, Canto Bite book. He is the uh, the pig, the little pink. <laughs> little, <laughs> little weird pink, pink, pink creature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He, I think he's in cut entirely. He might be in one or two little uh, passing things. But yeah. In the actual film. But he's, you know, there's the great uh, deleted scenes deleted of him. Scene. Uh, but even I, I was really struck by... Um, the Rise of Skywalker bonus features that had in Thorian mm. at the Aki Aki Festival, mm. who, if they're in the film, I haven't seen that Thorian. So that made me really excited for like, is it something like, well, we've got a really great functional Thorian, uh, and that could be a character that Cassian actually like interacts with and have a, has a conversation with. That would be awesome. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. Some other, um, many choices to have. I, I, <laughs> Would love, uh, especially as it relates to Cassian Andor series, uh, and we know timeline-wise it could be different, but I, I, I think you know he's going to be aware of the partisans and everything. So give me, give me Moroff, give me in, in honor Ooh. of Jennifer, give me Bistan, uh, <laughs> give me uh, Idrio Benthic uh, two tubes. Uh, you know, uh, get to see them more in a, in a upfront, uh, uh, exciting role. We talk often about Infus Nest, but what about Weasel? You know, just Warwick himself uh, is a straight uh, human uh, humanoid type character in Star Wars. That's exciting me. Then on the other end, I'm thinking silly stuff like, um, I mean, the Neeper's pen pick uh, <laughs> film noir that we need is is definitely on there. But like, hey, you know what? Give me the 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 uh, Kenobi series and and have uh, a Mana Man. <laughs> You know? Oh yeah, 
give me some crazy stuff like that and have it work. And again, not just be passing, but just have the character now become something. That's interesting to me. Yeah, sit down and have a drink with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Amana Man. I know our friend, friend of the show, Van William, would be very excited. One of his favorite <laughs> characters of all time. So we'll see what that actually means. You know, sometimes I, I temper my excitement. You know, I don't think there's going to be a more off standalone episode in Cassian Andor series. But, uh, you know, maybe a few good moments with him. We'll see. Uh, final one here. We we just kind of almost wanted to follow up because I think we addressed it. I know uh, last week um, some people wrote us specifically said, hey, here's some of the stuff that came out. This is from Ashley Eckstein. We talked about, a lot about last week about the rumored live casting, live action casting of Rosario Dawson and and maybe Ashley's response. So this is um, this is her statement here. I'll read it in full for anyone who missed it. Uh, last week, I'm not going to do it in her voice. She's got a great voice, though. Uh, last week, a rumor was released about, the, about Ahsoka Tano being in season two of The Mandalorian. I've read all of your questions and comments about the story, and thank you for your patience as I've taken the much-needed time to sort through these questions. The truth is, I am not involved in The Mandalorian. I can't answer questions for something I've not been a part of. I am an actress and have performed in all types of mediums, live action, film, television, theater, voiceover, hosting, and it's been my dream for 14 years to continue to play Ahsoka Tano in all forms. I will continue to be grateful for opportunities to help create stories for Ahsoka Tano, and I'm always happy to see your legacy continue. I am only one member of a tremendously talented team of people that it takes to bring Ahsoka Tano to life. The final decisions for Ahsoka are not mine to make, and I cannot comment on something I truly know nothing about. So that's the the statement. Nothing new since then, either in the official news or what we learned from uh, you know uh, the, the stories last week. Uh, nothing more from uh, Ashley, on, at least on that big of a scale. So just some thoughts on uh, that official comment. Some would say some uh, non-confirmation on some of the stories from uh, Ashley Eckstein. Uh, I think it is uh, really well written by Ashley Eckstein. I think it is very honest from just a real practical standpoint of if she's getting lots of questions from fans of, hey, what's going on? I think the one of the primary messages that comes out of that for me is, thank you for the kind messages. I truly have no answers because yeah. I don't know them at all. So I think that's good. I think it's uh, it has such a positive tone, uh, is particularly saying that... Uh, I'm not the only one who who creates Ahsoka and I'm excited for her, the character to go on. So the, those are the two big, I think, positive messages. I think there is also a not entirely subtle. This is a bummer. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I need some space, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. So I don't cry. I really, I really feel for her because I feel like yeah. in particular things like, um, including I'm an actor. I've done all sorts of things like live action. Uh, I, I would, I want to be involved with her in all forms. Decisions for Ahsoka are not mine to make. I feel like she is really taking the high road in trying to not rain on anybody's parade, but also say, I am capable of playing Ahsoka live. I would have loved to play Ahsoka live. It's not my choice. I, I can't make it happen. Thank you for the kind words, fans. Well said, well said. I, I don't think I have any tremendously uh, different uh, or newer insights into into the comment more than what you said there because, yeah, you sense of frustration, but it, it's handled with, uh, it, it's definitely in that stay luminous lane 
And uh, yeah, she has done a lot. And, and, and that's, I've always understood that myself, but you know, just the reality of the situation, I just, again, personally never thought she'd be considered just because of a lot of reasons how, how things work, uh, good and bad, and a lot of it frustrating, most of it frustrating, especially for someone like her who, as we said before, helped create this character, part of a great team. Glad she gave the credit there, but this isn't just, um, she didn't just slide into the booth of a character already existing. She, she, uh, molded it in, in very much her image. And, and that's where a lot of the frustrations of the fans are felt. So I felt great, great that she reached out, acknowledged it. But like you said, I'm going to go away for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is what I got. Um, one thing that did come up that I saw this morning yep. is that apparently Filoni changed his, uh, Twitter header image to a very Mandalorian uh, end credit style image of Ahsoka with the white hood riding uh, a space creature with uh, old man Rex. Yes. And so, and he was, yeah. Oh, he hasn't tweeted in a while. Cause I was like, I follow him. How come I didn't say, yeah. And so, uh, so this, this photo has existed before, right? Uh, this is not too brand new, but the fact that he changed it back might be the big question, right? I think I've seen, I mean, I don't know. At this point, I, don't, it might, I might be thinking of Lord of the Rings, too, for all I know. Um, <laughs> you're watching a lot of that lately. Um, yeah, so Dave loves this stuff. He loves yeah. doing this. He loves this, Joseph. What do you think about this? I think if Dave Filoni could get away by uh, with doing a press release by making reporters go to an escape room, he would do that. <laughs> He loves just sort of poking in puzzles and changing shirts mid panel and things like that. Right. Uh, but it, it does seem to me, you know, uh, one of our questions coming up in the Q and a is about this. So I won't, I won't go on, but it, it, it did, does seem like, why would he tease? You know, he knows the conversation that's going on right now. So would he really put that there just to tease people? If it's okay. And possibly Rex are not involved. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's like if if he even with that picture he did, uh, you know, with Ahsoka and Gandalf and he, that one, it's funny that when he felt he, like he had to kind of comment on it, be like, ah, you know, sorry, I think I just ruffled up some feathers. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean? Like he he is a, he's very aware. He's very savvy. He's very cheeky. So you're <laughs> you're right. This would be one step too far. Like if 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 he did that. And it's nothing. If I was John Favreau, I'd grab him by the scruff of his neck, sit him down and be like, you can't do this to me. You can't do this to me. Yeah. This is serious. We have a protocol. All information goes out on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, says my John Favreau. <laughs> Final note on that though. Um, Cause I, until this kind of, yeah, this has been kind of going around. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I, I have never considered that Rex would show up. Never thought about that. And now I am super intrigued. I am very intrigued too, but it, it immediately begins the, uh, the casting questions. Yeah. Right. Uh, because we're, we're in the middle of this with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka is a very unique thing because mm. unlike lots of uh, actors combining to, to play characters so far, she is Ahsoka. There hasn't been anybody else. So it's this new thing. Yeah. And then with Rex, you get into this really weird thing of like, well, if he's willing to grow a beard, it should be Tamora Morrison because that's yeah. the point is he's a clone of 
Tamura Morrison. He's saying it couldn't be D. Bradley Baker. Oh, interesting. I know, and that even that's controversial, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah, uh, and that's why someone someone have a get an eye on Tamura and see what kind of beard he has right now. Not that you couldn't put one on for a production, but I, I, you're 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 dancing. That's that's. Uh, that's interesting ground, you know. You, yeah, you're right, and I think if you got to do it, you got to do it, and it's got to be Tamora Morrison. It's he's he's perfect. He's 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 uh, uh, I think perfect age now, and he's all he's a dude in great shape, uh, kind of like Rex, an old old guy in the gym still, you know. Um, so I I'm I ne- I don't know why I don't know why Joseph I never thought to think of it. Now I'm thinking about it. I can't unthink it, and I want it. <laughs> Oh, it would be so good. It just it feels like old man Rex fits the vibe of Mandalorian, right? Yes. Yes. Our grizzled weirdos. He's a grizzled weirdo <laughs> indeed. So we'll update uh, you on all of that there. A lot going on in Star Wars news. Before we get to our main topic and take a break, we want to do what we always do here, which is say Force Center recommends an audio book we think you should try out on us. That is right. Uh, we are recommending the same book that we recommended last week because it is the biggest thing going in uh, Star Wars novelizations right now, and that is the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker by Ray Carson. I think it's a great read if you're somebody who loved Rise of Skywalker, and I think it's a, a great read slash listen if you're somebody who's like, ooh, I like parts of it, but I have questions about others. It's a good book kind of for wherever you are on The Rise of Skywalker uh, gamut. Absolutely. Joseph is right. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center and get your free audiobook on us. I love that novel. I might just read it again. So coming up soon on the other side of this break, the Q&A strikes back. We are going to hear from you with your questions all through the show. And hopefully we have the answers you want to hear. Stick around. We'll be right back here on Force Center. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Force Center. This is Joseph Scrimshaw here with a quick correction. Later on in this episode, uh, we read A Great Power of the Light Side. That is our segment where we ask patrons to send in something about Star Wars that they really love and then we share it. This week, we have a great one, but during the episode, as you will hear, I accidentally say the wrong name. This is an error that happens to us sometimes as humans called cut and paste. I accidentally left the name of the person who submitted a Power of the Light Side for last week in for this week, so I wanted to correct that. The Power of the Light Side that you will hear later in the show was sent in by Andrew Siner. So Andrew, it's a great Power of the Light Side. Thank you so much for sending it in, and my apologies for that mix-up. Listeners, when you hear that later in the episode, you are hearing the words and the thoughts of Andrew Siner. Thank you, and now back to your regularly scheduled Force Center. Welcome back here to Force Center. It's 
Episode 215. Numbers, you know, they come and go, Joseph, but we've been around the block for a while and we appreciate all of our fans and keep us afloat. <laughs> We're grizzled weirdos, too. Yeah, I like that our numbers are going just up. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Up, up, up the numbers uh, instead of out of order. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, though there was uh, anyone uh, housekeeping note too. If you listen, if you listen to us on, on Apple Podcast Mobile, uh, there's a category a category issue um, where some of our issues are showing up on. Classified. So if you don't subscribe to us, which, hey, always you should give us a subscription uh, uh, on Apple if you want. But uh, if you don't, uh, some of the episodes, current ones, are found way down below in the unknown seasons, like the unknown regions. But they exist. It's just there. <laughs> ran into that one this week thanks to, uh, I think, Edgar, our, our fan, who tweeted that out. So, Joseph, speaking of fans, this week's show, we haven't done this in a while. We, we always take episode, uh, uh, questions from our, our listeners each episode. But this one is entirely... Questions from the fans. Yeah, that is right. Uh, so we uh, put out a call for uh, questions on our Patreon, as we always do, and Twitter. And we got a lot in, uh, over a whole different spectrum of kinds of questions. So I thought it'd be fun to take some time and dig in. Uh, the first one is from Callum Stone Street. And Callum says, if you could create a sport in Star Wars, what would it be? So we talked a lot about pod racing, so I'm gonna, we're going to have to take that answer off the board, right? That's too too yeah. too obvious. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think this is a new sport. You okay. are, between the two of us, far more sports knowledgeable than myself. <laughs> uh, you know, just uh, I had a lot of alone time as a kid, so I, I could like, a, you know, a, a ton of things. It sounds like you were more functional than I. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> many nights looking at baseball cards and Star Wars figures. So I... I, I want some kind of form of space uh, space baseball. Um, okay. Maybe even not lightsabers, but like the same kind of technology that goes into, um, you know, like the Magna Guards uh, s- um, staffs, electro staffs, Ooh. some kind of fancy yeah, filaments, filament, a filament bat. There you go. Uh, some sort of form of space ball. Uh, uh, copy copyright issues with uh, Mel Brooks aside, uh, I, I want something like that, and and perhaps there already is, but I just you teams, uh, you get, get a lot of uh, you know kids collecting things from them. Just you know, my love of baseball, I want to see it represented in Star Wars. So let me let me ask you about the the essence mm-hmm. of baseball versus the essence of Star Wars. So yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the uh, joys of baseball is that in immaculately played game, not much will happen, right? Because the pitcher will do an excellent job and there won't be much hitting or running. See, is that fair? You've watched a lot of Minnesota Twins games growing up, I think. <laughs> yes, a good uh, Frank Viola 1-1-1-0 one, 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 game uh, over the Tigers is what you want. Yeah, I and I enjoy I enjoy a good home run slugfest. I'm sure the fans in the Galaxy would too, but yeah, you'd have to have some kind of droid pitcher or something like that. <laughs> I did. I did have a home run hanky uh, from one of the twins. Won. You had a homer uh, homer hanky. Oh wow! Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> so, would you do you think that matches with Star Wars to have a a game where you is it like a real uh, peaceful Jedi version of baseball where the ideal thing is that nothing happens? I I think so. It's 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 not. Yeah, it, it, nothing big happens, but literally uh, giant decisions are made every giant important decisions are made with every play, right? So that's very Jedi like. Yeah. Uh, you hope you don't want a war, but you know how to get out of one if you get into one. 
you hope. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that Mace would have a philosophy of ideally this will be a calm game, but if not, I can hit that ball very, very far. And yeah, and much like Jedi fighting stances, a good batting stance is unique and, and, and uh, represents <laughs> the player's style, much like a Jedi fighting uh, style. So yeah, it, it tracks even in that direction too. Nice, nice. Uh, the game, I, I don't have it all worked out, but the, the name of the Star Wars sport that I would like uh, would be called Railball. Uh, and it would be called Railball because it would be played on lots of very high platforms that don't actually have rails. Uh, so it's, there's a little <laughs> bit of irony in the title. I <laughs> uh, love that. Good scaffold match from the old wrestling days. Yes, high up. Yeah. Ability, uh, chances of falling high. Yep. Yeah, I was just trying to imagine like... what. If you actually saw it in a movie and you saw like Han Solo playing a sport, what would be cool? I mean, like, well, if it's really, really high up, maybe you, you fall and you land on some sort of a grav mat or whatever. Right. Uh, and I would also think that like y- there would be like special platforms that you could jump off of the the main uh, mm. rail list platform. You could jump on the special platform and, and grab a blaster and it would be on like stun or sting or whatever. Ooh, but like yeah. blasters would actually be a part of the sport. Is it, is it almost like uh what's the, the bia- biathlon where you're, you're skiing and then you're skeet shooting, you know, <laughs> it's like you're, you're doing all of that. So, you know, you drop down, you have to sh- sh- target practice and you, you jump up to another level and you don't fall off the rails. And the whole time you got to yeah, maybe carry a, a ball, a rail ball. Um, so if you drop it, your team loses a point. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I think about it, really, I think I was thinking about a basic kind of football, soccer, uh, even a hockey. You're trying to get your thing in the opponent's uh, other end, yeah. but it's all happening on dangerous rails and you can shoot one another yeah. with blasters. I, I think that's the goal of life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And put some stun, <laughs> stun gun blasters into it. And the lack of rails. It's purely uh, Star Wars. It's, it's, you are, you've, the essence of Star Wars is in your game. So I like this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's move on to the next question. This front comes from Cookbook 500. Cookbook 500 says, I need a little Star Wars counseling. I love that Ray says she is Ray Skywalker at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but the lady who asks her who she is, what is she doing walking her space camel in the middle of nowhere? Ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. In canon, I still don't think we know that lady's name. We know that Space Camel, a camel from the uh, Star Wars novelization, the Rise of Skywalker novelization, is an Etobi. So, ooh, right. All right. This is a great question. Um, so, what what is your thought? What do you think the lady with the Etobi mm-hmm. is doing? So close to the old Lars homestead. I'll be honest with you. I think she's uh, been scoping it out, trying to buy it for a while. <laughs> she's a shrewd businesswoman, and I think she's uh, upset. This is the day she was like, "I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, really take a look at it, see if I can uh, get a hold of it." And then that's also part of the question of who are you? Like, are you, you live here, you own, like, you just passing by because maybe I can buy it from her, or maybe I need to outbid her. Um, I don't know the system there. Uh, the important thing is, I just love this question because, as much as I love that ending, as much as I love the decision behind it and have come to accept it, not just accept it, but just really embrace it. And we've talked about it. I got to admit there's a weird beat and I wish there was about two seconds less of a beat with that conversation. And I just do think it's weird. How long was that lady standing there? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a pretty open horizon. So, so Ray was yeah. very focused on what she was doing. While this lady, unless the Toby runs really fast, but still, you think you'd hear that? <laughs> yeah, and so you know, for those who who think I look at all this with rose colored glasses, I do want to know what Ray was thinking. Just just ignore her until the lady said something. I don't know, but it's a good question. But that's my thought. That's my thought of what she might have been doing there. Okay, I think that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, scoping it out for uh, real estate reasons. Yeah, I love this question. Uh, I love the look of the Id- Id- Toby. Uh, yeah. I love this woman. I love the quality of the way she says, there's been no one for so long. It, yeah. it is, to me, a great classic Star Wars line because it is literally like, yes, this property has been vacant. But it's just got that much more romantic, poetic, uh, almost... Uh, melancholy there's been no one for so long it makes you feel like she's talking about the jedi and and hope as well as hey nobody's lived here for a while so uh i love this scene mm-hmm. i grant it it is you know amazing that she manages to sneak up on <laughs> the jedi ray skywalker but here's my pitch for what she's actually doing okay. we hear in Attack of the Clones, that when Shmi was sadly abducted by the Tuscan Raiders, it's because she's out collecting the mushrooms that grow on the evaporators. I think, since the Lars homestead is all decrepit, a bunch of mushrooms and other delicious uh, fungus, fungi, grow there, and I think she was out picking fungus from the Lars uh, evaporators in Homestead. A plethora of fungi available to her. Love that decision. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that makes sense for my own headcanon, but I think it would have been weird if she's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm picking mushrooms. Who are you? Um, I love that. I love that. And yeah, no, the later self is, is, is great. It, it's, uh, it's, you know, storms are coming, Annie. We got traditions of, of old ladies asking questions or having great <laughs> insights in Star Wars on Tatooine. So I'm good with that there. I like that cookbook 500. Good question. Yeah, moving on to Max Fozzy. We got a lot of great names here today. Max Fozzy, uh, that was that's a Twitter handle. Uh, Max Fozzy asks, uh, "What happened to Luke's green saber? And do you think there are any plans for a Luke Skywalker series or movie in the near future?" Ken, what do you think? Well, that's a. I mean, the last last part of that, I just don't. I just don't. Animator, otherwise, maybe maybe we get some comic stuff. Uh, you know, I love the the amount of Luke we got in that Kylo Ren Rise of Kylo Ren comic series we talked about in last week's main show. So I don't know. Part of that question, as much as we we talked about, we've talked about that going back to even the Force Awakens days uh, of the Lor Santeca and Luke traveling the galaxy. Now Luke and Lando, I love that. So Max Fozzie, I don't know about that. As far as the lightsaber, to the best of my knowledge, Joseph, I do believe, isn't it in the gift shop, of the Lost and Found over at Octo, right? Yeah, it's implied pretty heavily in the Last Jedi novelization that the caretakers have it packed away with the rest of Luke's stuff. Yeah, and and that they have collected quite a few things over the years of other adventurous uh, Jedi journeys, uh, journeymen and women who have uh, come to the island seeking something. So, a little gift shop, lost and found. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little lost and found. It's basically them saying, hey, Jedi who come here, don't be litter bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up after yourself. Uh, yeah, so so that it, I remember really, really liking that detail from the Last Jedi novelization because, you know, those of us who, who love that green saber to know that it, it does still exist and it could show up again uh, someday in future canon. Um, to the second half of Max's question, I agree with you. I think that there isn't going to be, uh, certainly not a movie, probably not a series in the near future, 
I think partially just because there seems to be a desire to give the original trilogy characters a break and some space. Yeah. Uh, that said, I I would really love there to be some more Luke Skywalker adventures. Uh, while Mark Camel is uh, willing to voice him uh, in take advantage of the fact that he is not only Luke Skywalker, he's one of the greatest voice actors of our generation. I would love, even if it was just like, Hey, we're going to do a one-off animated movie or we're going to do a one-off audiobook adventure. It doesn't even need to be a four season animated series. It could just be some little adventure that's, that's meant to be, this is not the next big thing in star Wars, but just, we have this great character. We have some time where he is a fully fledged Jedi master with Jedi students going out, having adventures like him encountering the Knights of Ren that we saw in that comic book. You got Mark Hamill. I would love there to be some, not a series or a movie, but one little adventure, one little self-contained adventure, one little series of self-contained adventures. Love that idea. Love that thought uh and, and I, I do agree that the idea of this the legacy characters getting a little bit of a break uh, only uh, you know which i'm okay with for a lot of different reasons but i'm definitely okay with because I, I couldn't take the barrage of of clickbait articles of they said skywalker saga was dead now luke's got a comic book like just give me a couple months without that um but here's one thought as i was thinking here you're you're a you're a published playwright Joseph. <laughs> you know you're you're a published playwright um Yes. I would love to see a one-man play of Luke on Octo leading up to the moment uh, he tries to destroy the temple, and that's where when Ray he can't do it, and that's when he goes to the top of the hill and Ray finds him. Um, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Luke alone with his thoughts and the force haunting him in dreams. Uh, give me a give me a give me a, a play down at the Pantages here. With Mark Hamill. Oh, man, I would love that. Yeah, Mark Hamill is an accomplished uh, theater actor as well. I I see this immediately as a sort of a waiting for Godot thing, uh, but Luke is not waiting for Godot. Luke is waiting for himself. Yes. (laughs) To fully get, uh, make the decision to burn that, uh, burn that Unetti tree down and, and burn the Jedi legacy with it. He could, he could talk to the caretakers. That would be great. You'd have, it'd be basically a two person show, except for one person would just be dressed as a caretaker and Luke would deliver almost all of his dialogue to the caretaker. Love that. And a Thalos siren, just like a, a set piece of a Thalos siren, just kind of, uh, be good. Oh, yeah. Be good. Yeah. Snorting and sneezing every once in a while as a punctuation. Yeah. The, the crowd would have to, you know, there's a splash zone. It'd be good. <laughs> this thing sells itself. It doesn't write itself, but it sells itself. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on this? Uh, the great question of more Skywalker. No, I, I do hope he gets some more Luke Max, though. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Moving on to Gunther Mertens. Gunther asks, would 10 minutes extra in the rise of Skywalker have solved the Palpatine crawl? For example, if you started with a sort of flashback to the moment Snoke is cut in half, then you cut to Palpatine being torn out of meditation with a shock, proving he puppeteered Snoke all along. Good, Ben. Good. Gunther writes. That's awesome. That's really good. Gunther, uh, 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 I like that a lot. Um, 
I think one of the things that comes to mind, Joseph, and I think uh, I'm sure you'd agree, even if that scene is this is a really fun scene, this is a fun idea. I then then you'd have people wanting ten more minutes to explain. <laughs> Well, how did Palpatine, was he meditating or is he sleeping? We need to know. He's a, we have a checklist of things we need from these movies. Um, so, yeah, I'll start there. I don't know what you think, but I'll start there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to, I want to start uh, by sharing an opinion and getting your take on it, Ken. Okay. So you and I have talked about, I think, uh, for ourselves that we're okay with Palpatine the way he is in the movie. Um, you've been saying this in a really eloquent way lately that you, you don't care about the, the what and the how you care about the why. Mm. And we, we get the why of Palpatine. We know the why of Palpatine. So that's the way I feel, but it clearly distracts a lot of people, takes them out of the movie sets them off in a sort of a cynical mindset from the beginning of the movie. Cause they feel like it's unearned mm. given that that is clearly the, even though you and I are fine with it, clearly a lot of people are really bothered by it. Do you consider it a flaw? Do you think just by the fact that it takes a lot of people out of the movie that they should have spent some time explaining how Palpatine returned at the top of the movie? I, I can get behind that thought because clearly I think a lot of people wanted to be taken out by it going into the movie <laughs> yeah. uh, with arms crossed. You better give me all the details of how Palpatine came back. So there's that one thing that Ian McDermott said at a convention the week all the Palpatine was a clone stories came out of the, the early release of the novel or the early uh, samples of the novel. And he said that there was a line of, of Kylo saying you're a clone. And, and he says, not quite what well, I forget the exact line, but not quite a clone, but something more, whatever it is, some kind of hint. Yeah. Uh, uh, more than a clone, less than a man, something like that. That's the one ding, ding, ding. That's the, that's the line. I, that's one of those things of, much like give me that moment that was cut out of Luke crying in his hut a little bit over learning that Han's dead. Uh, I can get behind the pacing of, of some of the edits and the decisions in these edits and all these movies. I can understand that. But as, as a fan, it's just like, hey, 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 if, if I'd seen Luke, you know, maybe that would have given some people some pause before just dumping fire, criticism fire on the movies. So I, there are people I was going to find something. But yeah, that, that, when I heard that line, that made some sense to me. Like, yeah. all right, give, give some folks that. I think there's still going to be a ton of questions, even when the answers are obvious. Uh, Beaumont Ken is a walking answer book. Um, <laughs> Kylo looks at clone, you know, clone chambers, but not to go down that path. Try to keep it positive. Yeah. So, yeah, I, can, I will concede that. Give me a little bit more. And this, Gunther's got, this is a great scene. I got to say, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun in, in a great way to just like show uh, the direct relationship between Palpatine and Snoke. I think the thing for me when I really uh, try to put on my my writer hat and, and my Star Wars fan hat at the same time and say, yeah, I would love to see more Palpatine if a few extra minutes would have cleared things up for a lot of people. That would be awesome. But then my mind goes to how do you make it not just exposition, not just, hey, here is uh, my PowerPoint presentation on how to survive death as a Sith Lord. Right. So I wonder about a scene where Palpatine could have described his, uh, his conquering of death to Kylo as a power that he dangles in front of Kylo of like, mm. and I could teach you this too. Mm. If you do as I ask, because 
I, I think about if you get the information about how Palpatine survived out there, how do you make it a conflict or a dynamic between him and Kylo and not just him giving a lecture on the one-on-ones of cheating death? Oh yeah. It's, it's a great point. And, and also, you know, flashbacks are great. Flashbacks can be wonderful, but also, you know, you kind of, it's kind of drilled into your head early on in writing. You don't want to rely on that. You don't want to use that. You want to tell the story as best you can in the present. I, and I believe have fun with it. Go crazy. Be artistic. So I'm not, I, I'm not putting the kibosh on, on flashbacks, but like, let's just say, let's say you start the movie with uh, Vader throwing Palpatine over and you follow him down the chamber and then poof, Next, you know, you cut the exical and poof, the spirit shows up there, right? There's the answer, right? That's what he did. That's what we did. Yeah. That's what we now know. He studied Plagueis. He learned it. That's what the power was. You would have all the think pieces again. Well, okay, he learned it from Plagueis. How did he learn it from Plagueis? When did he learn it? What did he exactly learn? And that's where I think it, it's just an ever-ending cycle of repeating. But I like what you're saying. And I agree, you know, again, when this becomes the kind of, when a lot of people have this question, then it's understandable that uh, maybe one more line or two would have been needed. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I was just picturing if the movie had really been structured to show you the end of Return of the Jedi and then show Palpatine, you know, the force projecting his spirit into a clone. And, and I can imagine the jokes of, you know, the the movie freezes just as Palpatine is about to hit the bottom of that shaft. <laughs> and then you've got yeah. Sheev going. Yep, that's me. <laughs> Record. <squad. laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's that's uh, hilarious. No, I kind of want to see it, but you're right. People would have been upset about that. So it's it's yeah. an interesting challenge. It'll be a Star Wars thing that is debated for years to come. But I agree, Gunther has a, just a, a visually really arresting and, and fun idea of a way to show that. I really like that. Really like All right, moving on to our next question. Dan X. Brophy. Dan X. Brophy says, symbolically, what do you think J.J. was trying to represent with Ray's yellow blade at the end of The Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, so in, in, I, definitely fair to say yellow. I know, doesn't the book refer to as, as white gold or white and gold, I think? I'm trying to remember. Don't have it around me. Uh, but let's just say yellow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you, I remember you you talked about it uh, first on the review, just the idea that we all know the Jedi Temple Guards, protecting, protecting the knowledge, protecting the, the, the legacy. So that's, to me, the easiest thing. I I would be convinced that Chris Terrio understands that, uh, that that's what those blades mean. JJ, I don't know. He's a fan. He's definitely a fan. He's definitely aware of the shows now more than I thought even uh, from some of his comments. But... Um, I, I I could see that being the actual reason, one an actual reason. Um, but uh, what do you think there? Did you, did you again? You kind of already discussed it. I thought in another episode, right? Yeah, I mean, I think for the kind of deeper Star Wars nerd, uh, the the fact that it is the same as the Jedi Temple Guard does just immediately make your mind go to um, raise responsibility is defending the legacy of the Jedi. But I think. I don't know if JJ is going to be thinking in those terms. So to me, it's just the, the, the sequel in Ray's journey has been about, you know, finding out who you are while also learning from the, the past. And in that, uh, why I love that scene is she's not like, yep. And now I have uh, two lightsabers. I combine Luke and Leia's and now there's, that's my saber staff. The idea was so about 
I respect Luke and Leia. They've taught me everything they know, but they are of the past. And now I will move forward into the future. And I think the lightsaber being not only made of her staff, but a different color, you even flick the button in a different direction. Right. And you usually see is just to, I think there to just visually say immediately Ray loves her mentors. She's learned from them, but she is going out on her own new path. And this is a new blade. There's no confusing it with a major blade you've seen in the Skywalker saga on film. Absolutely. The line starts with her now. You know what I mean? This, yeah. The hero blade is now this one. And we're starting out all over again. And uh, it could get passed on. This blade, we got to imagine at some point, will get passed on. But but it's hers. Yeah. Did that work on you just emotionally? Because I know it worked on me just seeing... Like, it would have been cool if it was her staff in a green lightsaber or a purple lightsaber. But the fact that it was yellow, and in, in, in it's known in deep Star Wars canon, but not visually on screen in the Skywalker saga, that it was brand new, really added the emotion to me of, she is set to begin her journey. It, it really did. The entire sequence did. Uh, the... Uh, construction of the blade out of her past out of her the weapon of, of her past uh and, and just again paying homage to what came before to the skills she had before to what she learned to all the pain the suffering but put it into something new and starting from again yeah it, it absolutely worked and then and then again just on the on that star wars nerd level like oh yellow <laughs> it works on a lot of levels yeah very powerful uh, so we're going to move on to patreon questions do you want to do you want to take these Absolutely will serve. Uh, Patreon we go. Simon Huffnagel says back in 2017, Marvel put out a Mace Windu comic miniseries. The full title of that series was Star Wars Jedi of the Republic Mace Windu, which implied to me that Marvel intended to publish more miniseries about other Jedi under the Jedi of the Republic banner. My question is, if Marvel ever decides to do that, which Jedi would you like to see a series made for? My picks would either be Kit Fisto or Depa Malaba, the master of Kanan uh, Jairus, as we know, uh, Caleb Doom. So uh, this is great. I love and that, that, that Mace series is underrated. I thought I get uh, overlooked a little bit. There's some great stuff, great ties to uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, uh, Joseph, uh, your thoughts on this idea that maybe there could have been more or should there be more and then the Jedis you'd like to see? Yeah, I would love that. I, I really, as a comic book reader, I like the the five-issue just miniseries that they were doing because you can really just kind of pick them up and grab them and it's not uh, as much work as keeping track of the the monthly and they can really focus in on telling like this specific event this specific emotion or challenge of a character and uh, i like that mace one i, I gotta reread it because uh, I, I read it uh, real fast late at night <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i gotta reread it but for me i would love love some more five issue uh jedi arcs uh tara sanube mm-hmm. i know i always go on about tara sanube weird old Jedi who's got the lightsaber cane, but in episode kind of building off of his, his big appearance in the Clone Wars of lightsaber lost where he is reflecting on what the Jedi have been in that he is a Jedi is getting old. He is gonna pass away naturally. It, It feels like soon. And how does he feel about the end of his life being this time of great change for the galaxy and the Jedi? You know, does he, does it make him feel like, Hey, life goes in cycles and, and now is my time. Or does he really feel like, I wish I wasn't old. I have so much to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that idea a lot. I, I, 
you know, plus it would just shine light on a, on a great Jedi character that uh, needs love. I tell you what, you need to just pitch this. <laughs> I'll get pitching. <laughs> get pitching indeed. Um, any other Jedi of choice? Uh, I would also be interested in Kiati Mundi. Um, yes. And I have not read a bunch of the, um, you know, uh, uh, pre-Disney uh, canon, so I know that there are tons of adventures with Kiati Mundi. I'm not super familiar with them. I know some of our listeners are. But for the Kiati Mundi that I know in the movies, who is often wrong, it would be fun to have a miniseries about. Let's spend time with a Jedi who is just wrong and is just not as worried as we, the audience, know he should be. <laughs> I love this idea. Of, yes, that's a great idea. Uh, that's an awesome idea. The, the wrongs of Monday. <laughs> so many mistakes of Kiati Monday. <laughs> many mistakes of Kiati Monday. Indeed. Uh, I How mean, about you? What do you got? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Kiati Monday was going to be my list too, just cause he, he's, he's one of those, he's, you know, he, he's, he's prominent, you know, he's so prominent in the prequel series. He is not just a little background and, you know, we could answer our, our yaddles. We could answer, uh, Oparensis, he's all those kind of Yarl Poof, all those kind of Jedi we love to mention, but Gaddy Mundy's front and center. Yeah. He's in a lot of the Clone Wars stuff, uh, Clone Wars series, but like he's in the spotlight would be really interesting to me. Um, the, uh, the, the, oh my gosh, I don't, can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. The, the Jedi from fallen order, the, the one, um, who's holocron you're oh, falling around. Yes. Yes. Uh, not, not Cal Kestis, but the, the mentor, the mentor. Yeah. Uh, not seer, um, uh, her order. And I cannot believe that I'm drawing seer Junda, but the other one that we both really like, <laughs> Eno, Eno, uh, oh my God. What? Cordova. Eno Cordova. Cordova. Oh my God. You know, uh, <laughs> I liked that game. I didn't love it, but I thought I really remembered him. Um, yes, yes, Cordova, Master Cordova. He's just so interesting to me. He's he is an interesting Jedi, uh, and and how his his goals are research and and and, and education and and uh, historian. So give me and he was already featured. I understand featured very prominently in the uh, Fallen Order comic series. Yes, um, but give me give me more with him. A little younger, a little more in action. Maybe before he's trading uh, training seer or when he, when he first gets seer. Uh, I would be interested in that. And then I think the final one, we get a lot of them in Dooku Jedi Lost, um, but he's such a mysterious character. Uh, uh, Sifo-Dyas, just a little bit more Ooh. into what, I don't know, maybe we go into him actually going to Kamino. I don't know. Just get some of the bigger answers from this uh, from this character. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. I like the the portrayal of his character of, of being tortured by, by visions mm. that... That would yep. be really fun to spend time with. Yep. Uh, mm. I got one other idea, which would yep. be, I would love a Luminara Unduli mm. maybe coping with what happened to Beresafi. I like that. I like that. That seems like a good, that would be a good way to play with lots of, you know, uh, master and apprentice relationships. Clearly something went wrong there between Luminara and Beres and diving into what if or what it is would be awesome. Well, Simon, you got us thinking. So great question. Great question. Jay Winkworth asks this. Uh, I realize that it's not a studio or filmmaker's job to debunk rumors or third party scoops about their projects, but 
Let's use the recent Rosario Dawson Soka Tano reports as an example. If it's not true, is it in Lucasfilm's best interest to shoot it down so that people aren't just waiting all season for something that never happens? I remember Dave Filoni did this once in regards to Krennic when he, after it was mentioned in a Rebels teaser trailer, fans assumed he was showing up that season. Filoni said he didn't want fans waiting for something that wasn't happening. A little bit of a different uh, circumstance there. Just wanted to hear your opinions on the matter. Thank you and take care. Thank you, Jay. This isn't we talked about Filoni in the in the news segment here, uh, Joseph. This is a, a great question, a great question. I I really like where Jay's coming from here, uh, and you you going back to your days of I just wish Lucas from Disney would <laughs> go have an event like Marvel does and just put all the information out there that they know we get things change. We all get things change, um, but it, it, how they did get the news out sometimes is in, it deserves to be questioned. Yeah, yeah, and this one is particularly interesting because these Rosario Dawson Ahsoka rumors are very plentiful. It's not about something that's going to happen in the future. The shooting of uh, season two appears to be complete. It's been confirmed a bunch of places. So uh, I totally get what uh, what Jay is saying, uh, and I tend to agree that if the answer is no, they should just come out and say no. But they're in this little bit of a trap because if they say no to things that are definitely not happening, then anytime they don't say no, everyone will take that as a yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's a yes. trap. Uh, I, I refer everyone to Matt Smith saying, no, I'm not, I'm not in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and he's and, not, and he's not. And look there, I, that's why I saw his name on some things too. You know, maybe we'll get the whole story one day. But his his plain and simple denial became story after story and conspiracy theory <laughs> after conspiracy theory. Which sometimes it's just fun. Uh, sometimes it's just fun. Yeah, I think you are the same mind. Um, it, it's an interesting time. It's a tough time uh, where news is just. 12 second cycles and things get out a lot more than they used to. And you didn't need to do this. And sometimes it's just kind of maybe an old school approach of like, no, 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 they will announce it with the show. And, and you have to adjust. And I, I sometimes I totally get why they wouldn't want to be like, yeah, one of the big surprises upcoming is this. And everyone, the scoops are right. <laughs> it's dangerous because yeah. then it starts giving power to those uh, leaks and those sources and, and, the, and, and everything like that. Word's going to get out. You know, you and I have talked often about how you could be in a cafe having coffee with your agent. You hear everything you need to hear. <laughs> so I get it. It's a touchy game. I just think sometimes getting ahead of it when it's too far uh, out of the, out of the, out of the barn, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's good to try to get ahead of it, but I, it might be yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't. And there might be a wrinkle to this uh, Ahsoka thing, to, to Jay's point. If it's if she's not in it, then, you know, it will be a bummer for a lot of people who think that she is and, and Lucasfilm to have not quashed it. But there might be some wrinkle to it. Maybe she's uh, literally in the background for right. fun, you know? Right. Or maybe her scene is literally 30 seconds long and they don't want to come out and go, yeah, yeah, she's in it. And then have everybody explode, do months of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and then... My big question is, does she have spurs on her boots now? That might be <laughs> connection. Uh, we'll see. Not to get too spoilery there. Uh, Jay, thank you for that one there. A lot there. Um, carry on Spike. Great ship. Great name. Great question. Which Star Wars characters would be best and worst to be quarantined with during space COVID-19? So 
let's uh, blow off some steam. It's a stressful situation out in the world. I think it's okay to just kind of occasionally kick your heels up and have some fun with the situation we're all in here, Joseph. This is uh, this is uh, uh, we always think of who do you want to who are you, who do you want in your cockpit in Star Wars? So who would you who would you want with you, and who would you definitely not want with you? Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes with these kind of fun, who would you want questions, you know, uh, I, I want to go obscure, weird or fun. But what honestly came to uh, my heart is uh, I would want to be in self-isolation with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I feel like uh, he would he'd certainly follow the rules. Right. Uh, he would stay six feet away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're isolated in his tiny, tiny Lego hut that you recently built. Um, but as he's 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 a guy that you can just sit there and be quiet with. Right. Yep. But he's also a guy who's got interesting stories. He is curious about other people. So like all the people in star Wars that you would just have to like be with for a long time, my mind always goes to, I like Obi-Wan cause the chatter would be interesting, but you could also have some quiet time. Mm. Yes. That's key to this. Right. Um, so as far as who I want runner up might be Lobot. Because <laughs> we could chat, he'll never really get too involved. You know, he, you know, it's a quiet conversation. But also, he's gonna go isolate pretty easily. And if not, I can just probably press some buttons on my space watch, and he'll follow my lead. <laughs> I'm gonna go a little outside the box here. I'm gonna go uh, Boba Fett. Uh, the reason for we, best, for best. Boba Fett is uh, already used to kind of running by himself, and if we're stuck together, he'll probably keep to himself as best he can. Follow the rules from a different point of view. Um, he's got a mask and he's got gloves <laughs> and he doesn't take them off. Um, and, uh, if we are stuck in the slave one tiny ship cramped quarters, but at least there's some room, there's some room and it's a good ship and it's a good ship with some reputation. You can just kind of go get supplies you need, you know? Yeah. Um, I might go with Boba Fett. It's not, wouldn't be my first choice for a lot of things, but I was just thinking about it. It's, uh, I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. The uh, the not taking the mask off. That's that's important. That's vital. Worst uh, ones. Yeah. Worst ones for you. Worst. Uh, the, the worst ones. You know, I thought of a couple options, but the one that really uh, stuck in my mind is I think the worst is uh, Borgallet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, fair to call Borgallet a character, but I I just pictured like what character doesn't seem willing to keep their distance at all. And that's definitely bore wrap you in its tentacles gullet. That's, that's a great answer. Cause Jabba was maybe on my list too, just cause <laughs> I'm sure he already has something that I don't want. Um, my, my worst, and this is, this is not a reflection on, on the character. This is to answer the question. I might go with, I mean, it's close, but I might go with L three, uh, three seven. Oh, because I think this is a resourceful droid. I love Phoebe Waller Bridge. I love I love L three, but consider just there'd be a lot of I can't believe we're in this situation. Uh, why we're here? And you just be like, hey, quiet it down. We are where we are. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think after a while that would get to me. You know, three PO similar to I don't want to I don't want to out droids here, but like K two S O maybe maybe, but uh, I'll, I'll just go L three. I'll say L three. Okay. Though L3, I think that's a, yeah, L3 could pilot the ship and, and I'll sit, sit in the back. Okay. I think that is a, I think that's a very, very good choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Ho hopefully we're not in this situation, but great question. Carry on spike. 
Robert Meadows writes, how do you think Django Fett, speaking of Fett's, would have reacted to seeing his clones in action? Unfortunately, Fett dies before the clones come in to save the day during the Battle of Geonosis. So this is interesting, Joseph, because you, you can approach this in many different ways. Uh, number one, just the question of, hey, you know, he's proud. My clones will do their job. But that job and what that job is, you know, I don't know if he intended it to be, quote unquote, for good. So what do you think here about Django and his legacy? Yeah, I think uh, he would be proud because I think that he does show that pride when he's talking to Obi-Wan of they'll do their job. Um, so I think he would be proud to see them, you know, coming in and blowing those droids away. I, I doubt Django has any great, like, uh, loyalty or affinity to, you know, the rest of the Separatist leaders. It's, this is a job for him. Um but I think he'd still also feel a little superior because, mm. you know, he wanted the one unaltered clone for his son. And I think he prides himself on his own creativity. Right. Yeah. And I think the clones at Geonosis haven't had a lot of experience yet to develop that personality and that creativity. So I think he'd be like, yep, they're doing their job. It's very impressive. They're not as good as me though. Yeah. Great point. Because I think later on in the war, you know, I think he'd just feel real competitive. Bad Batch shows up or something like that, or even Rex, Cody, any fives, any of the ones we love, right? He'd just be like, whoa, 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 you think, you think you're better than me? Like, he'd want, yeah, I, you're right. He'd want the early where the clones are trying to figure themselves out. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But it's a great question. At, you know? at, yeah. At some point, he would just see the galaxy, if he had lived deep into the Clone Wars, that the galaxy is full of resentful children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he'd have that. He'd have that. Look, you're not even thankful. You're not even thankful that I exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and then there's something to say about him. Kind of, you know, his loyalties lie to the highest bidder. And uh, all right, they, the Republic, whatever, they're doing good. Uh, that's fine by me. So, not not my war, he might say. Um, yeah, yeah. But good Django thoughts, Robert Meadows. Let's go into the mind of Django Fett. Uh, final question of the day. Then we're going to go to our Power of the Light Side segment here. Spencer Wakefield says, Hey, one question that lingered with me after my final theatrical viewing of The Rise of Skywalker. Did Ben Solo die a Jedi? I think the simple answer is yes, especially now knowing more details from The Rise of Kylo Ren Comics and how much he had trained with Luke prior to his fall and comparing him to Vader slash Anakin's return to the light. But I think there's a lot of wrinkles that could complicate the answer, and I could think of no... One better to dive into them than the Force Center crew. Yeah, this is getting deep to close out the questions here, Joseph. Um, definitely some redemption. Definitely uh, feeling that he's still around, uh, even if he doesn't show up for the family photo at the end. Um, <laughs> so the Force might have something to say on it there. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's such a fun question to ponder because it goes to the question of, like, well, what makes you a Jedi? Yeah. And in particular outside of the kind of structure that had developed uh, towards the end of the Republic era before the dark times, before the empire that they had, here are these benchmarks and you become a Padawan and then you become a, you pass trials and you become a Jedi Knight and absence, absent of that, mm -hmm. what makes you a Jedi? And, and Luke kind of gets, um, he gets, in my opinion, my reading of return of the Jedi is that conversation with Yoda on Yoda's deathbed where Luke says that I am a Jedi and Yoda's got that great. Oh, <laughs> and he says, no, no, no. One thing's remained Vader. You must face Vader. 
Mm. I've kind of taken that as Yoda improvising a moral test yeah. for Luke to Luke's got the skills. He has the power, but how you handle this conflict with your father is that, that you fear is going to be your trials. Mm. And of course Luke comes through that with flying colors. And I feel like that's kind of being, that's what's being played with, with Ray mm. is Luke just saying, you know, it is the destiny of a Jedi to confront fear. And that that's really what Jedi trials are about. Not do you know all the lightsaber forms? Not yep. can you name all the texts? You know, can you lift this uh, this heavy of a rock? It's can you hold in your soul the ideal of what it is to be a Jedi? And Ray puts herself through that test, and I think I think that Kylo does too. Um, and and for me, like some of the the parts of that is a willingness to act right to stand right. up and do something, but having a, a purity of heart that you're acting in defense, that you are not being aggressive, that you're not being selfish to, to be selfless and more than anything to face your fear and not being held, be held back by your fear. And I think if you start to break all those things down, you can have a really fun conversation of did, did Kylo do those things? Mm. And if he if he succeeded, did he pass his improvised trial and not only return to the light, but become a Jedi Knight? Great stuff, sir. Great stuff. And, and my uh, of all the things, great things you said, I'm, I'm focusing on this selflessness and giving up of himself and this idea that Kylo Ben leaves and heads towards Exegol, not concerned with the results, just concerned of of why he has to do it and that's there's no selfishness there he's not there to be like i'm gonna go help her and then she gonna smooch me and then i'm gonna be good <laughs> and then i defeat palpatine he just knows he needs to go he needs to go and that is uh, an act of bravery but again an act of selflessness confronting the fear is such a great thing yeah the jedi trials to me my loose interpretation of them and my loose understanding of what they always have meant is yeah exactly that go kind of finding yourself conquering conquering any fears or problems stuff even even the the kyber crystal stuff the gathering stuff it's pretty pretty dark at times to me at some some point you know you got to be open to some of these things got to be open to the the calls so yeah i i agree with you there uh, there's a lot there and that that was his to me his final test confronting that fear um and and giving up his desires just using himself and his powers actually probably just just using them you know for good yes but you know what i mean just going off and not worried about what happens just worried that you need to do it yeah yeah and i, I think that i love what you're saying and in, in the way it's written in the rise of skywalker novelization that it, there's just a need to act to help ray that he is there to uh, be there for ray and help her face her fear you know and for somebody uh like kylo who has you know been afraid of being rejected afraid of being alone afraid of uh facing sort of legacy and paternal figures there's there's lots of his fears that he's just putting to a side and saying i need to be there for ray then and i think that ben solo definitely uh he certainly disappears in the forest, but I think he, I think he dies a Jedi Knight. I like that answer from, uh, you know, we're not the experts here. We're not the official final word of what this might be. So we'll wait for George Lucas to tell us all. Um, Spencer, though, great question. Great question. And <laughs> I don't even know if we're done talking about the journey of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. I, there's just so much there. 
that I just love just even revisiting things we've discussed before about the character. It's quite a journey. So that is the end of our fan questions. The Q&A strikes back. Joseph, we're going to be doing this from time to time again uh, down the line. Uh, and and we even get to, we're getting some of those calls coming in uh, uh, on Anchor from the Anchor app. We'll start integrating some of those where we record remotely and, and it becomes easier to do uh, right now. One of, the, one of the benefits, look on the bright side of having to record under different circumstances. So thank you all for the submitting those questions. And Joseph, you, uh, you curated a mighty fine list, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, very easy when we have all sorts of awesome questions. It is indeed from our awesome supporters. And now to the power of the light side. This is a segment where we reach out to our Patreon supporters and ask them to share a story from their Star Wars fandom, from their Star Wars life, uh, something they experienced, something they saw, a feeling they've had even now, then, forever. Doesn't matter. We want to focus on the light side of being a Star Wars fan. And Joseph, we got a great one today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Harrison says, I've been staring at this accursed blinking cursor for 20 minutes now, wondering which beloved thing I wanted to share. The morally brilliant character of Rose, sexy N1 starfighters. How about that weirdo alien that goes, okay, in the rise of Skywalker. That last one has permanently imprinted in my brain. I don't think I'm capable of saying the word okay normally anymore. It's a real problem. I'm pretty sure my boss's boss is a hair's breadth away from flinging me into the pit of Carcoon. <laughs> so Harrison wrestles away, but he says, however, I've settled on simply sharing my latest damn I love Star Wars moment. Uh, the rise of Skywalker novelization, in my opinion, masterfully written by Ray Carson, gave me many moments of joy. But the largest fist bumping moment was something I had wanted in this final film since The Last Jedi faded from the cinema screen on my very first viewing of Episode Eight. The role call of heroes i've been dreaming of a united galactic fleet for two years straight and here they were fourteen thousand ships one and all refusing to allow darkness a safe bastion the only issue i had with the film version of this magnificent event was its quickness but ray carson took the time to give us a total of six clear callouts from other tales within the canon i've never been one for needing canon to be interconnected but the emotional canon of hearing the call sign alphabet 2 30 years after the squadron was founded or hearing mark thompson's excellent vanessa marshall Hera impression will live on with all of my other little add-ins whenever i watch the rise of skywalker right alongside my brief utterance of l3's rebellion as the falcon swoops in taking its place at the head of the fleet of just people huh just people i wonder if it was intentional for both meanings of that first word to apply lots of lots of great thoughts there that it's a great power of the light side totally agree that uh the the fleet sweep swooping in is one of the best moments of rise of skywalker and it's made even more powerful in ray carson's novel with getting to hear all of those additional call-ins uh, i got teary reading that book yeah, that's great, Harrison. And I'm with you, too, because I, I don't I don't like that checklist. I don't need that checklist all the time. But it worked really well for me in the novel. And I get why it wouldn't be in the film. You know, uh, I would have would I've liked to have seen, you know, I don't know, Christopher Sean as Kaz. Sure. Absolutely. Would have worked for me. I would also had to explain it to a lot of friends and family members of what that meant. <laughs> so and we still even have to do that with wedge. So and I get Harrison that you you, you along with us understand those realities, but emotionally the the, the impact, the journey, uh, the nine films all come into this moment, and especially I think the last uh, three and, and the last six, um, it works. It works well in the novel, and I just love that scene. I love that moment, and I think it's made up for the not having the, the the people actually there, the roll call is made up for a little bit of just knowing they're there now and, and kind of always sensing that they're there. And now you can insert 
many people into that list. (laughs) So we'll see, man. That's a beautiful one. Well written, Harrison. We appreciate that. Uh, We are almost out of here. We thank you all for uh, listening today. If you have uh, a question, uh, you want to add something, uh, join the conversation about this episode, you can do so by going to Twitter and following us at Force Center Pod. Uh, Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available in a lot of spots. iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. And, uh, of course, uh, our home here is Anchor. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And Joseph, we got stuff over at uh, Patreon and, and I got a, I even got an update on uh, on one of the goals we hit. So tell them where they can support Ooh, us there. Yeah, that's right. If you're interested in checking out everything we have to offer at uh, Patreon, including access to a discord server where we have a lot of friendly Star Wars conversation, you can read up on it all at uh, patreon.com. Slash four center. You don't have to enter the uh in the URL. It's just you know an option. You can. And one of, one of the goals was uh, new music for Star Wars ranked, and we have a lot of uh, original theme songs. Almost all of our shows, I think, ranked and spotlight Star Wars. Uh, you know, we're getting we're, we're the last few of the old old guard of of, of generic songs picked from a uh, commercial uh, bed factory um, of commercial <laughs> music bed. Uh, Tony Thaxton, uh, we've talked, we confirmed, uh, you know, a lot of you know, he, he was on the road recently uh, touring, uh, drumming uh, with his band. So he's just getting back to it. We've talked and we got some new uh, music for Star Wars ranked being worked on and on the way. And that is made possible. It really is from all of you that support us. Like Joseph said at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, we have our own things uh, working on, though, you know, it's it's a trying time to work on all of them, but we're getting it done. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Knapsack or go to KenNapsack.com for information on that. And uh, Joseph, uh, they can follow you as well with your website. Yeah, that is right. Uh, if you're interested in listening to my other podcast, Obsessed, that is still rolling on, doing uh, episodes uh, with my wonderful wife, Sarah. Uh, and then you can also find various comedy albums and all sorts of entertainment on my website at josephsgrimshaw.com. And you can find me, Twitter and Instagram, at josephsgrimshaw. Please do that. Follow him. Don't forget to follow Jennifer Landa as well. Go to her YouTube channel. Follow her on TikTok, an area I don't know about Joseph. I'm not ready to enter into, but (laughs) she's got TikTok down. She's got it covered. We can just retweet Jennifer's TikToks. There you go. I think that's possible. So thank you all again for listening, supporting us, uh, getting through this uh, tough time with us. We appreciate your patience with us recording remotely. Everything goes really smooth, but, you know, recording remotely, uh, it it creates sometimes some challenges, and and we are happy to work through them for you. But we, we love your support during these times. So that is it. Thanks for all your questions. We'll see you next time. This was Force.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.